two areas that you could either be a blessing or a curse. One in the area of community, one in the area as an individual. And there's overlap between these two areas. And this is two of the final commandments that Rav Hirsch deals with in the category called Mishpatim. Welcome. This is the Judaism From Within podcast, where we discuss Rav Hirsch's perspective. We're going through Chorev, his magnum opus, his description of the reasons for the commandments in the Torah, and we're coming to the end of the category called Mishpatim. We did Torahs, which is the sort of the philosophical foundations. We did Eidos, which are the symbolic educational gestures, and we are now finishing Mishpatim. Those commandments that you know by dint of being another human. You know what it means to be a human. You know what is right and what is wrong. It is appealing to a core essence of an appreciation of what it means to be human, and thereby what you owe another human being. That's Mishpatim, justice. And the final two really do encompass or encapsulate this principle, being a judge and being a witness. And then to cursing. And there's an intimate link between these two. They're both the final commandments that Rav Hirsch draws out in the end of his category called Mishpatim. And let's play with these ideas for a moment. A judge and a witness. Why are these necessary? Why must you act truthfully when you're being a judge and act truthfully when you're being a witness? Now, Rav Hirsch builds it up from the inside that the past is gone, the future is no longer here, the present is all you have to work with. So when something happens that you need someone to pass judgment on, you need witnesses. And when you have someone who needs to pass judgment on it, you need them to be impartial. You need them not to waver based off their own personal wants, desires, or affiliations. Because if you lose that, you lose the ability to give witness. You lose the ability to be impartial. Society falls apart. And the community, specifically from a Jewish standpoint, is absolutely essential to living out your purpose. But not only from a Jewish standpoint. This is a universal. He who hasn't got a society, he who doesn't have a place to be, is lost. Everything else that you take for granted would just sort of collapse in on you. Things that you don't have to think about is because you're part of a community, either an intimate community or a broader, larger community known as your society that you're in. Go to a society where the judicial order is broken down. You won't have time to reflect on higher meaning and higher purpose. You'll be too busy worrying about what you're going to eat. Perhaps to phrase it in a different way, a society allows you to live to higher purposes because it takes care and allows you to ignore the basic needs of being alive. Things that we take for granted are there because we are part of a society. What holds a society together is the system of justice because the people who would take advantage of their friend are held in check because of the system of justice. The minute the system of justice is viable in the sense that you can pay it off, that's when justice begins to fall apart and people don't trust the system. If witnesses can be bought, then once again, people's appreciation and trust in the legitimacy of the justice system begins to fall apart. Then what you have is people who perhaps would hold to a system of justice because they know there's something standing behind it that would hold them accountable will then fall prey to their lower motives and thereby your society falls apart. 
people don't trust each other. And if people don't trust each other, thereby you can't have a cohesive system that has the possibility of growing. Thereby you don't have a society. So from a secular standpoint, that we understand how that's horrific, but also from a religious standpoint, you also lose your ability to live out your mission as a Jew. A mission of a Jew is predicated on a society, is predicated on a community. Yes, as an isolated individual in another society, you can live a semblance of a Jewish life, obviously, but to live it out to its full, you require a community. And Rav Hirsch points out that the community lives on, and the representatives of the community are its judges. Thereby, the judges have to be held to a strict code. They can't falter in this. Hence, the commandment, both to a judge, not to favor, not to be bought or bribed, and also to a witness, not to be swayed. Rav Hirsch points out the two aspects of witnesses that we have. One where the witness itself, the witness, the, the testimony that's given is false, or when we have Hazama, which is referred to as when the witness himself is false. The distinction between the two of them is when a someone was at his scene, he was there, but he lies, thereby his testimony is false. Or we have a situation where a person wasn't even there, thereby he himself as a witness is false. So false witnesses, we have it in the Gemara Marcus. When a person can be a false witness, and false witnesses is a, is a plague that can spread throughout our society, the society will fall. And when we can't trust the judges, the society will fall too. And that is what we would call a curse on a society. A curse in the sense that it's like a virus and a disease because it continues to grow. Because when some people lose faith, the people who are perhaps hanging on, similar to what we discussed last week with justice and so in the sense that truth and um, honor and what holds a person to the good life you don't know they may be hanging on by a thread Rav Hirsch points out and thereby if you take away their honor they may fail but if you take away a person's commitment that the system of justice will hold steadfast they may also fall you have this in societies where lying becomes pervasive societies fall down but now let's move on to our last commandment that of cursing this is a short one, but Rav Hirsch's point is very profound, and it really does follow through. As a community, you have to hold towards a system of justice. We understand this. Witness and a judge, we understand this as a community and its need. But as an individual, can I curse someone? You could ask the question, why not? Let's say you have a secular bent to you, or you have a more rationalistic approach to Judaism where you're not going to invoke metaphysical powers to come and strike someone down. So if I look at my fellow who I dislike and I call upon God to curse him, I don't only dislike him, I don't only hope his, his demise, but I call on God to curse him. What's, what's wrong about that? If a person doesn't think God's going to go actually go and curse him and then cause his downfall, God isn't your puppet. What's so devastating about cursing? And Rav Hirsch develops it as a hierarchy. If I want your ill, or I want to actually hurt you, it's contained. I hurt you, and uh, it's wrong, it's, it's evil, but it, there's a containment to it. When I curse you, or, as Rav Hirsch calls it, God forbid, curse you in the name of God, the reach of my hatred, the reach of my anger, is so astronomical that there's no cap to it. I want the divine to come down on you. 
That means my words, my hopes, my desire for your downfall reaches beyond me. That is a devastating place for a person to be in, where they are so wrapped by hatred, where they would want to extend their their desire for the other's downfall to that which goes beyond their imagination, beyond their ability to articulate. That's what a curse is. It's not so much a reflection of what you're going to do in the real world, but as a mirror to your internal self, what you desire to be meted out upon your fellow. The darkness is so all-encompassing that you feel the need to invoke the beyond in their downfall. And once again, a society where people are allowed, people can do that, you create a very bad society. And when a person reflects on what it means to curse in the name of God, they know that's not something they would want done to them, and they know in their heart that that is an evil that they should avoid. So both these ending commandments, the judge and witness, as well as the cursing, I think are unified by that point. They both bring on curse, but they are both a mirror of the concept we're discussing, as in a society where its judges and its witnesses are corrupt, that shows a rot in a society, and a society that's on a decline. In the same way, when a person can call out to the divine to have evil fall down upon his fellow, it's not so much what's going to happen to him, it's a mirror to the rot at the core of the individual who's doing it, thereby to know that such a thing is that bad, you can immunize yourself. You can immunize yourself from falling into such a hatred of your fellow. And in a similar way, a society that knows that it has to hold strong to its judges and its witness that when something bad happens, that they can draw the past into the present. Because that's what a witness is. And that can be committed to. You immunize your society against this rot. So... To end off, we finished off Mishpatim. We're now going to move to Chukim. And Rav Hirsch's really profound insight into the nature of a chayk and how it is an enriching, enlightening moral relationship with the Almighty in the world. I hope you join me for this next stage of the journey. As always, thank you so much for the listen. I haven't done this in some time, and if you got to the end of this podcast, if you could give it a like or a share or a good review... I would really appreciate it. My attempt to spread this out a bit further and Rav Hirsch's perspective to grow a little bit would really be, I think, a bit of a blessing, both to me as a teacher, but also to the ideas that I'm giving over in the, well, mind or the perspective of our great teacher, Rav Shamshin Rafal Hash. Have a wonderful week.